to get up and do my thing. I want to get into it, man, you know. Like a, like a sex machine, man. Moving, doing it, you know. Can I count it off? One, two, three, four. Is this the long version? Because let's just play this for a while. This is better than anything I got. <laughs> Hello, Seattle. I want you to tell Puck I did a good job of that, although it wasn't necessarily the first words out of my mouth, because it is the Hello, Seattle show. Uh, Puck's off for another couple days. It's uh, it's Gas. Good to be with you today. Fun day, boy! In, in the wake of yesterday, when we were uh, when we were all giddy about uh, all the hockey love we were sharing, and uh, and 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 then we had even more good news. At one point during our hockey fest yesterday, I think it was on our Edmonton Oilers off season what to watch for preview that we did. Um, I looked over at the TV, which was on uh, route, uh, and I saw the Mariners batting with bumper to bumper traffic on the base pads, and I thought, all right. That's a good sign right there, and it was. Very interesting game yesterday, very exciting game. Um, I don't know how you draw this up any better for the M's right now with everybody injured, with the strangest schedule I have ever seen a baseball team play. I mean, I've never seen a team go through a weirder schedule than this. You think about with 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 the M's and, and what they've been through, and I, I mean, you can you know do the whole you know tiny violin playing a sad song thing here. They are major league players, but think about this: uh, they just spent you know a month and a half in in Arizona, uh, and and then they went to they went to Denver. Didn't they go play Colorado and Denver for a game? That's right, they usually do, yeah. And then they came up here for three games, not giving them any time, particularly the single guys, to set up living accommodations or any. I mean, maybe they have, maybe they have, but I mean, the point being. Seattle was like a stop on a road trip, then down to San Francisco for two, then an all-night flight to Minnesota where it was 900 degrees below zero, uh, and they stayed there for four days drinking and throwing axes at each other, uh, then down to Kansas City for a couple, and, and uh, for three, and now back out here. I mean, this is, this is you know, it, it would not have surprised me had we known all this was going to be. And with four guys injured, too. Nelson Cruz, like, turned around and got hurt. Ryan Healy looked at somebody and got hurt. Uh, Gamble's been hurt for a while. Who am I? Zanino. Zanino right. on opening night. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I got my hurt. All those guys out. So I tell you on opening night that those four guys are basically... You're getting zip out of them for the first two. They got this crazy trip. It's going to be snow. They're going to get snowed out. They're going to have all these odd days off, so they can't really get in a rhythm. They haven't. Only the Cubs have played fewer home games than the beloved uh, hometown nine here in Seattle. Only the Cubbies. And if I tell you, okay, all of this, and they're going to be, they're going to be three and 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 Felix is going to get bombed in one game, and Gonzo is going to get bombed in one game. And I tell you, okay, so they're going to come back. They're going to be three and seven, but they're going to get all their guys back. You'd probably say, all right, not ideal, but geez, given everything you're you're telling me, you know, may, instead they go out on this trip, uh, and with all these guys hurt, and with all the crazy days off, and then uh, you know, baseball's such a rhythm sport, and I don't know if they've even their offense looks like it's in a great. Maybe this is the answer. Maybe we need to take more days off of this team, but they go out. I'm not sure you could have hoped for much better than six and four, given the situation that they're in. Uh, and and then the you know the the annual April. What the hell's wrong with Kyle Seager? And at the end of this whole trip. You go, hey, well, Seager, you know, is having one of his kind of typical Aprils, but he gets the big bop 
and and get you the win in Kansas City. You're like, God, this it it's easy to be kind of giddy about the M's right now. And yesterday was all about being giddy. We're all thinking about hockey, and we're we're uh, excited that uh, Todd Lywicki is back in town. Uh, and it just feels like we can be excited about winter sports returning. And, all, and then you and the M's win. It, it's it's a good day to feel good about sports, I think. You know, and there's always going to be the the pessimists, the curmudgeons, and all that. But but what what do you how Jackson? How would you assess? Would you agree with me that if I told you all of this, if I'd said, "Hey, three and seven, you'd have gone. Eh, it's not great, but I would have expected two and eight or three and seven. It would have right. been if you told me that everything like that happened with these injuries. I would expect just disaster. So right. this is incredible that they're doing this. They were. They, I don't think they had any of these kind of issues last year, and they were two and eight. Yeah, they got to two and eight on their own last year with none of this problem. Right. Uh, and, uh, and well, so our, our, uh, poll question today, we're going to talk a little bit about the Mariners throughout the day. We may spend lunch with listeners chatting with you about this is, uh, in my mind, at least no question the at Mariners. I like to speak in Twitter ease when we're talking about the Twitter <laughs> poll question. The at Mariners are off to a good start. All things considered. If the M's were a stock, if the Mariners were a stock, now when I and this has changed. Now some people would answer yes. Is when I was your age, I didn't own any stock at all. Do you own any stock at all, Jackson? And you do you have a portfolio at all, or just small with just general stuff? Small general stuff. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have anything at your age. It's something you do as you get a little bit further down your your career yeah. path. But so you understand the the question then. So the M's are a stock right now. What would you do? Would you would you go? Are you bullish? Would you say I am going to buy? I'm loading up because it's going to keep getting. They're six and four. How can they not get better when when they get their boppers back in the lineup? How can they not get better when they get some pitchers straight? They still, in my mind, have they had, and I, I'm not even sure I can define this for you, but have they had a quality start? What is a quality start? You have to go to the seventh inning, is that right? I thought it was six. It's six six and... is have they had a have the Mariners, do you think have they had a quality and anecdotally I'll say no. I don't know if they've had a quality start yet this year. And I don't know statistically. I know they got a way they figured it out. But they haven't had some guy go out and go eight innings. And Paxson probably was the closest yesterday. But he went, what, six? Yeah. I'm, he had a pretty good start yesterday. Looking I don't at the numbers, they didn't have had a quality right. start. Right. Yeah, the point being, they haven't had yeah. a great performance yet by a starting pitcher. Uh, but but with all of this, you say, I'm, I'm going to buy. I think the M's, are, they're going to continue to rise. Uh, you know, I said yesterday, you win five out of every nine, you end up with 92 wins. I think if you win six out of every ten, that jumps up to 96 or 97 wins on the course of a season. Now, again, is it, are they going to stay that hot? Well, if you're bullish, you're saying, yeah, I think they're going to get better. Now, you could uh, you could sell. You could say, you know what? This is for the curmudgeons in the audience. And baseball brings out the curmudgeon in fans more than any other sport. Baseball is the only sport in my years as a talk show host where I would identify people who would qualify themselves as M's fans but would be happier if the team sucks because they think they're going to suck, so they want to be right more than they want their favorite team to be good. Baseball's the only sport like that. They'll be Seahawks fans this fall thinking, you know what, the Hawks aren't going to be any good. But then if they win, they're going to jump right in and go, hey, I was wrong, I'm happy. Baseball breeds a type of fan, not all of them, but there's a small percentage of baseball fans who would rather be right than have their team be good. So the curmudgeons are out there. Sell, I'm getting out. Six and four is as good as it's going to get. I'm going to get my money now before we before we all lose. And then the the easy decision, which is hold. I'm going. Oh, it's, well, I'm going to hold my my earnings here, my millions, my Mariner millions. I'm going to hold them and wait and see. That's the big leader right now. Sixty three percent of you say you'd hold. 
Probably the smart move. Yeah. Who knows? That's what I voted for. The, the risk takers would buy, would say, ah, let's, let's go, man. Let's buy. And the other risk takers would say, now let's get the hell out. Let's, it's six and four <laughs> is going to be the high. The, the, to sell means you think two games above 500 is the high watermark. Or maybe they're going to get to three and then the slide, but they're not going to really jump up, is what you would think. You go to add Gasman 206 to, to vote on the poll. Everything right now, in my mind, everything you see with this team is is positive. I, I mean, with the exception of the injuries. If this continues, this is if 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 we know for a fact this nutso injury thing is going to continue, sell, sell right now. Get the hell out and get your money back because. But but our belief is no, that's not going to happen. These are all kind of weird things. The the fortunate news is nobody's out for the year. The fortunate news is none of these odd injuries have have hit their pitchers, with the exception of Felix in spring training. And this is why with Felix, I'm I'm still kind of bullish on him because, again, we talked yesterday, he's basically at about March 20th. If this were a typical spring, this is where he'd be. So he's actually come out and pitched in three games and I think looked okay to the point where I can I can feel like that that's going to be, you know, again, the new normal with Felix is, is going to be different than what we've seen. But uh, but I don't mind where where he is. Uh, Paxson, what did what Paxson had? Paxson strike out 10 yesterday? Did I see that? Didn't he have 10 Ks? Was it 10 or 11? I'll have to go look. Ooh, so it was double digits. We don't have to be exact. This is sports talk radio. It was double digits, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, you know, the point, but yeah, as I said earlier, I don't know if they had a quality start. Maybe yesterday ten, would be ten. one that I would I thought it was 10. You know, once again, you correct me on the air again. I'm going to have to go into Rich and have you replaced. I saw 11 somewhere, I swear. <laughs> Imagine if Somebody I went into Rich. I said, Rich, I'm, I'm not going to continue if Jackson's staying here. I just I can't do that. <laughs> I, I, you're going to have to make a decision right now <laughs> on things. Uh, so uh, Paxson yesterday, you know, good. Uh, Sir Leak has had, you know, has been okay, and then Gonzo's been really good and, and, and really bad, and we'll see how that all works out. You've got the A's coming in. You don't want to play too much of the schedule game in baseball because the schedule in baseball is the hardest of all the sports to predict. You can't look at a, and go, oh, this is going to be easy because bad teams inexplicably start playing well, good teams inexplicably start playing bad. Certainly, I think a lot of fans are anxious to get this series with the A's out of the way. And then let's see what happens starting Monday when Jose Altuve, that 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 bum, and I use bum because he drives me crazy because he's so good. Yeah. Um, when Jose Altuve and the world champion Astros, who are off to a great start, although not in first anymore, they've tumbled into second in the AL West. But and and this is the this is where the deck is stacked a little against the M's this year. If the Astros are who we think they are, and if Otani turns out that he's going to be just this this monster, and the Angels are going to be really really good, then you're you're all of a sudden if you're the M's, even if you end up having a real good year, you may be playing for third. And if you're playing for third in your division, you're definitely playing for the second wild card, and that's presuming that nobody else in and and I think I think you can presume that maybe in the Central that might happen. You might not see a team get hot enough to. But it's kind of hard to imagine with all the firepower over there in the East that some of those guys aren't going to get it together and start winning some games. So, you know, but but I, it'll be fun to see the Astros come in. The the Astros not only have been really good for the last couple of years, but since they got to the AL West, the M's have been just they they have just been the team the Astros smack around just for the sheer fun of it. The the M's. Are the are, are are young, 
young Jackson going to school with his lunch bag and his books, <laughs> and and the Astros are the bully. They're just you know Jackson's coming up with different ways to go to school. You're sneaking in back door. You're right. I mean we and the and the Astros are there to steal your lunch, steal your milk money, and just ruin your day with the M. So it will be fun. What won't be fun, and the M's got to get some of their bats back, but seeing that Astros pitching staff, I mean, they, they just mow people down. They have been so good to this point. So we'll see. It's, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's to me, this is, this is, it, there's a reason to be optimistic with the M's right now. Uh, I think you've got to give service a tremendous amount of credit because it would, again, it would be very reasonable for them to have gotten off to another bad start with all. And, 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 you know, here's the thing. If we're sitting over here, and it's just part of what you do in the sports talk radio biz, we're sitting here and every day something happens, like, oh, my God, you know, another guy got hurt. Well, the players are doing that a little too. Not to the extent we are, maybe, but they're only human. And they're looking around and they're like, you know, you got to be kidding me with this here. So, uh, you know, a good manager and good coaching staff and then good leaders within your clubhouse are able to, you know, this kind of stuff, if it happens in the middle of the season, doesn't feel like as big a deal. It's when it's at the start of the year that it feels bigger maybe than it really is. And and uh, I think service gets a lot of credit for keeping these guys kind of on track, keeping them focused when, again, baseball is this amazing um, rhythm sport. And they, I, I, I certainly can't remember any time in the years I've watched them where they've had what, what amount of, what, they have four days off and then another game snowed out, blizzarded out. Yeah. You know, in, the, in the first... They've played ten games and they've 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 had basically almost every other day off. If you want to, to look at it in a different way, I don't ever remember them playing three, two three game series where they played a game, took a day off, which is they've already done that. It's it's been a very odd schedule. It's been a hard schedule, I think, for a manager to feel good about and to feel a rhythm. And I, I think service to this point, if they gave manager of the week awards or manager of the month awards, I'd make him a favorite right now because I think he's had to deal with more problems. Than than your, your your average baseball manager, he's had to deal with three count them three home games. Again, only the Cubs have played fewer, and, and it's a six and four start. I'm bullish. I'm bullish on this team. But it's, it has to be encouraging with these guys coming back. I I think it does. And and if the guys get back, and 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 then again, you know, then our next big thing is going to be as guys come back. And Jackson and I were doing the math again. Every every time I sit down and do the math, I think we've overlooked something. There's something we're not looking at right. But but any way you get back to it, what we come up with, there's about three possible decisions they could make. Right? There's right. there's uh, uh there's play keep five outfielders. There's there's either the the first decision is either get rid of Ichiro or send Heredia down. Right, so those two is what starts the whole thing. That's what starts the whole thing. Now, if you decide to keep both of them, it means you're probably, as Healy gets back, getting rid of Vogelbach. Mm-hmm. Or and, we said we said modern. And modern, well, yeah, modern. Yeah. But then eventually both of them are going to be gone because you're only going to be able to keep five infielders, four infielders, and then uh, what's his name, Motine? Uh, Romine, yeah. Rom- Rom- Motine. We'll call him Motine. <laughs> I think he likes that better. Romine, who's uh, versatile, and his Jackson said, well, he's caught before, and we looked it up. He's caught one game in his career. He did so. in college, though, apparently. Yeah, he caught in college. What the hell? But, but anyway, <laughs> so you do that, and you're going to have a DH. You've got to have a backup catcher. You're going to have five starters, and then it depends. You know, do, do, They can't keep nine pitchers in the bullpen when all this happens. It doesn't seem like. But are they going to go to seven to keep five outfielders? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. We've got a terrific show planned for you today. It'll be fun. Uh, Mike Silver is going to visit with us coming up next. We'll talk to Mike about Earl Thomas, 
Uh, we'll talk to Mike. I want to ask him about John Gruden and how that all is going to work out. What's going on with the Rams and how good they look and, and get caught up on uh, on Mike Silver's world. Uh, Curtis Crabtree will be with us at 11 o'clock this morning. Kevin Calabro, who was going to be with us yesterday but found something more important to do. Uh, he'll visit us today. Uh, visit with us today at 11.30. Blazers are in the playoffs, and we'll get uh, a look from KC and what to expect in the postseason. And then John Feinstein, uh, best-selling author, he of the Washington Post and, and various and sundry titles, he will join us at 12.30, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, about that Masters champ with John Feinstein. We've got lunch with listeners coming up, too, at noon. Great show. Thanks for dialing us up. Puck and gas. Now back to Puck and the Gas Man on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage. Sports Radio 950, KJR. All right, one of the things you know, people say to me from time to time, you know, do you miss being on the radio all the time? And, I, and I'm back now for an extended stretch as Puck's co-host, which I did not know was going to include Puck going on vacation in the second week we're doing it. Uh, but, you know, do you miss that? And, and there are days, certainly, I mean, I, there are days that I miss and there are things that I miss. One of the things I miss uh, is talking to our next guest on a regular basis. And we still talk occasionally and we harass each other via text and, uh, and Twitter. Uh, but it's always fun uh, to welcome into the show America's preeminent rock and roll football writer and a guy who's been gracing our airwaves up here for, I think, over 20 years now. Now with the NFL Network and currently harassing people on Twitter, it's Mike Silver. Michael, how are you? I'm good, Gas. I'm only gracing the airwaves because you're back. Let's make it clear. So, I, yeah. uh, you know, we're a package deal at this point. It, it's true. And the last time I think you and I crossed paths was a, a somewhat legendary night. In, in we were sitting outside at a cafe in downtown Seattle, you, me, and, and Graz, and people were literally opening their hotel windows and asking us to please shut up because we were so loud. I don't recall. I yeah. do not recall. I understand. I, I, think it, I think we. I think they probably were justified. But if you think that's the first time that people have yelled at me in from hotel <laughs> windows, then I once uh, once once Jeff Darlington and I uh, at the combine got in very very late, uh, possibly early morning, and some people's eyes, and I was telling a, a really loud emphatic story, and there was a loud bang on the door from the next room, and I for once actually shut up and he went home and the next morning I had to get up early and do something, do a TV thing. And I was walking out and the door of that room opened and putting out his room service tray was John Gruden, who just gave me one of the, one of the greatest looks ever. So I, I call him Harvey Wallbanger and uh, here we are. And John Gruden has circled back into, uh, fr- actually out of the world you're currently in, which is the broadcast world and back onto the football world. I'll, I'll ask you more about that in a second, but I want to back up and just say, you you clearly enjoy it. You're on a lot, and you're and you're talking NFL now year round. But since you and I last talked on the radio, you have kind of changed your gig, and you're with the NFL Network. It's an immersion unlike anything else. There's certainly, I mean, to me, I, I I said last week, there's times when I want pro football. It's like an annoying relative. I want him to go away for a little while and leave me alone. But the NFL doesn't do that anymore. And and, and there are people that thirst for the coverage, Mike. And I mean, they want it all the time. What's uh, what's it been like at the NFL Network, and what's it been like immersing yourself more than you already were into this sport? Well, really, I had I was pretty much all NFL anyway. You know, late late SI and Yahoo. I, that's basically what I was doing. So, uh, honestly, that part hasn't changed that much. Our off season is 
has moments of intensity, which, you know, the schedule release, the unveiling of the Sacred Scrolls is coming up. Uh, the draft, obviously, we go heavy. But um, but really, it's uh, it's similar to my previous lifestyle. But I do like, you know, it, it is a good kick on the butt to do something new, get out of your comfort zone. TV's been really fun. The, the vibe has been incredible. Uh, just there were a lot of players who worked there that, I happen to have had really good relationships with when I covered them, but, um, you know, I've, I've felt like part of a team more than ever before. And, you know, writing is hard. I, I still do it. I'm about to do it after we get off the phone. I'm working on a big Josh Rosen story for NFL.com, but, um, you know, it's good to mix it up. Yeah, writing hard, broadcast easy. I've always admitted that. Or easier, hey, I should say. Hey, you're putting words in my mouth. I'm just saying writing is hard. I, I got more broadcasting under my belt than you, and I'll say it's easy. <laughs> uh, um, I'm not going to. If you think I'm going to argue with you on your radio show, <laughs> you're mistaken, sir. Mike Silver from uh, the NFL Network with us. Big story up here for the Seahawks right now. I mean, obviously the draft is coming in, but more than that is what is going to happen with Earl Thomas. There, there's there's kind of two thoughts up here. One is, it's it, given everything that's already happened, it's time to blow it up. It's and, and, and included in that is, let's move Earl Thomas, let's get something, and let's continue this rebuild. The other thought, which I kind of fall into this camp, is, look, this was a 9-7 and seven team last year. With a good kicker, they're in the playoffs. They won some of those games without a lot of the guys who were already gone. If I'm the Seahawks, I do everything I can to keep Earl Thomas. What do you think they should do, and what are you hearing about what they're going to do with him as they get closer to the draft? Well, first of all, first of all, shout out to all the people up there who reacted angrily or mockingly when I wrote in December that they were going to do everything they've done to this point, including try to trade Earl Thomas. So <laughs> uh, I've kind of seen this coming, and I'm not happy about it because this Seahawk team, you know, during the Carol Schneider era has been one of the, the joys to cover. I, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm a fan. I'm not, I don't root for teams, but I, you know, I am a fan of what they've done. I love the culture. I, I love the way they play. And uh, it, it sucks that they're going through what John Schneider calls a transition, but most people would call, you know, a, a pretty extreme home makeover. And, uh, you know, already Bennett and Sherman are gone. Uh, you know, Averill and, and Cam may not play again. If they do, it may not be there. So that's a lot. And if you add Earl to that, that is a lot. Uh, they believe, though, that uh, they can find young players that, you know, maybe aren't the marquee names uh, in the draft and uh, specific to Pete's coaching style, coach them up and, and build something new and build it around Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. And that's not a crazy thought, but, you know, I, I would, if I were with John Schneider right now, I would probably make a plea to try to keep up to keep Earl Thomas. Basically, I just don't know that you could find another one because I've only seen one ever. Uh, he, I mean, I've never seen a safety with that kind of range. Uh, the playmaking is exceptional, and uh, you know it, it is. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that uh, you know he's he's no longer going to be able to do those things. But you know, John and Pete understand football a lot better than I do, and and I understand the case for pulling the scab and doing it all at once. You know, you also could say though, as you rebuild what whatever the new defense is going to look like, and whatever you know you know the, the personality it's going to have. And you mentioned Wagner, who's a, who's a great guy for this role, but. 
have an earl and have it gives you a couple of bridge guys that that you talked about the culture it's going to be different obviously with sherman particularly with sherman gone and also bennett they were big loud presences and and they kind of defined what this defense was but i i think you kind of want some holdovers that that's why i'd love him right yeah 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 good point that's a big deal yeah um yeah i i you know i i think uh you know, we saw some of the tension boil over, and, and, you know, this is not unique to teams that are proud and have high expectations and suffer bad losses. But after that brutal game against the Rams, uh, you know, you saw uh, Earl and Bobby have their thing with a, a quote and then a tweet. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to overstate that. That happens, especially in those contexts. But, uh, you know, maybe there is a case to be made that, uh, they, you know, you're not going to have two leaders uh, co-leading, and they're going to pick one. And, and again, I, I just, you know, if you could convince me that you could find another Earl Thomas, even with the first overall pick in any draft, then I, I'd probably be more down with the idea that uh, you could get rid of him. Now, the other part of this is, is the money thing, and uh, you know, one of the things I wrote about in December with Earl was that they, the Seahawks foresaw a contentious contract situation. Uh, in other words, Earl did not, uh, in their mind, want to come back and play for uh, the money he did receive in the final year. So, therefore, uh, they're looking at having to commit to a long term and, and give him a new deal, or I guess theoretically put a one-year Band-Aid on it and just try to give him some money uh, just for this year, some extra money, or uh, you know, possibly looking at a, at a holdout. So, uh, you know, that's the other part of the equation. Uh, and, you know, it, it is uh, – it's a lot, though, for Seahawks fans because, you know, th- this team has an identity or and and a vibe that is, you know, pretty unique and pretty cool. And, uh, you know, we've seen Russell Wilson be transcendent, but it, it's an awful lot to ask for him to do that on the fly uh, and for – uh, John and Pete to go find the next Richard Sherman and, and those people in the draft. Now, I do believe that they have more than outsiders tend to, you know, tend to tend to think. I, you know, Frank Clark's a really good player. Chris Carson could be a, a stud. Uh, you know, Shaq Griffin turned out to be a really, really good player. I, I think there are guys there that have either flashed or are on the verge of flashing that may end up giving them a chance to be more competitive on the fly. I'm seeing some news, too, that uh, speaking of the Hawks, and then I want to move on to a couple other thoughts, that uh, that they're sniffing around, kicking the tires on Colin Kaepernick. That's been another story we've talked about up here. Have you heard it? I mean, clearly they're going to be in need of a backup quarterback, and I'm not sure if there's talent-wise anybody out there that, that fills that role better than him, but obviously there's a lot of baggage. What would uh, What would that situation look like, and how likely is it, do you think? You know, I don't know. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, stylistically, he can do some of the things that, that Russell does, and you want your backup to mirror your starter. Uh, you know, obviously, you have a a city, a fan base, and a, a locker room and a head coach who are uh, much more woke, as the young people say, than the average person. So it, it, is, a, it is a good fit for him. You know, Paul Allen... Uh, you know, if any owner is going to uh, be the maverick among his peers who, you know, seem collectively to uh, be, you know, turning their 
turning their noses at the idea of Kaepernick playing, you know, the guy who is the richest and, uh, you know, has one of the greatest legacies is probably a good candidate. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I know they thought about it last year. It didn't happen. Um, there is a collusion case, the not the most important collusion case in our country right now, but uh, there is one out there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's I, I think there's a sense out there that once, Kaepernick filed that lawsuit. Well, now he's never going to get a job, and I, you know, which is funny because it's like if you accuse us of collusion, we'll <laughs> definitely in coordination deny you employment. So I don't know. I I, I would like for. I would like for both collusion uh, cases to be resolved. Uh, hopefully this one amicably by Kaepernick uh, getting a job at the Seahawks would be a perfect spot. And uh, the other one, well, people can use their imagination. The, uh, uh, Mike Silver of NFL Network is our guest. You mentioned Harvey Wallbanger earlier. Is he going to be happy he made this move or unhappy? I, I thought he was kind of <laughs> walking down John Madden Road. I don't think he was as good as Madden in the booth, but he was pretty good. And he was entertaining, and ESPN had built some cool things for him. And I'm thinking, this guy's got it figured out why go back to the rat race that is coaching stay in broadcasting we've ascertained it's an easy way to earn a buck yeah but the pull well, gets him back in and he's back in oakland now how's that going to work out first of all i'm so happy he's back selfishly uh and listen remember dick vermeil left because of burnout and was gone like 17 years at the best college job he came back twice right, so right. i think coaches coaches are coaches they're they're all crazy and they all uh, you know, they all miss it on some level and they like money and let's not, you know, let's not neglect how much John got paid. Uh, but, um, you ask how he's doing. Well, um, I would, I would put it this way. Uh, the honeymoon stage, the warm and fuzzy, uh, back at Oakland stage is definitely over. He is now in what I would call the, I hate everything. Everything sucks stage. And, uh, you know, he hates the new rules. He couldn't be with his players. He hates, uh, you know, he hates everything. He hates, uh, uh, you know, just basically everything is bad. So he will, he will rebound from that. But, uh, right now he's grumpy and eager to get going and, and do some actual coaching. And, uh, this is a big draft for them because, you know, they, they had a lot of high picks that, you know, fell to them that they hit on to their credit with Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, but they also, you know, have, have had some misses and the last couple of drafts haven't been great. Uh, they did get a quarterback in Derek Carr, you know, up at the top of the second round, which was huge, but, um, you know, John Gruden and Reggie McKenzie need to, to nail this one. And, uh, you know, a team that going into last season looked like a, a real contender now seems to have some, some obvious holes on the roster. How do you think the Odell Beckham Jr. saga ends during the offseason here? Is he going to stay put or be somewhere else? Well, that's a great question. I don't think anyone's given two number one draft picks for the guy. So if that's the, the only way the Giants trade him, then I think he'll stay. But I also think after what he went through last year, he you know he understandably doesn't want to just come in and, and play without a new deal. Uh, you know, There seems to be some wavering on the commitment. Uh, and from the Giants, and then you've got a GM, Dave Gettleman, who famously spent a lot of time in Carolina trying to convince the outside world what a tough guy he was and made some curious moves. Uh, you know, the Josh Norman, the decision to tag Josh Norman and then rescind it suddenly when he didn't like the way negotiations were going and, and make him a free agent, uh, 
that messed up a Super Bowl team. That was a team that had gone to the Super Bowl as, as favorites, and the next year uh, couldn't cover anybody, and their best corner was gone for free. In, in other words, if you just don't want to pay Josh Norman, uh, don't be an idiot and tag him and then rescind the tag when you're angry and talk about how tough you are. Uh, quietly work out a trade and get something for him, uh, you know, or be prepared to tag him and stare him down and, and see what happens in that season. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe Dave Gettleman will be better the second time around. But sometimes acting tough publicly, uh, again, some parallels to uh, our larger world right now, but sometimes acting tough publicly is not the end game. Uh, you know, you don't see John Schneider uh, beating his chest and <laughs> talking about how, you know, agents or agents know that he's going to deal with them in a severe way, or you don't see him just making haphazard moves that seem emotional, uh, but he may be the best GM in the business. And, uh, you know, if you if you got into our world and the people who actually do personnel and know these things, he would be uh, a rock star. Hey, finally, how do you think your childhood pal, Steve Kerr, is going to fare in the upcoming postseason? Interesting that they have, you know, for the first time in a couple of years, a few questions around him, a lot of doubters around him. How's that going to work out? I've been really disappointed so far with, uh, you know, because it's not just my childhood friend, it's my childhood team. And we grew up in L.A., and he, like all my friends, gave me grief my entire childhood about my NorCal uh, preferences, including the Warriors. So he understands, uh, you know, how freakish this is for me uh, that, uh, you know, my buddy who knows that I love my childhood team that was downtrodden came in and has won, like, 99% 99% of his games since. So, uh, you know, listen, uh, I think they will be super prepared. Uh, you know, obviously if Steph Curry can get back to health and they can win a series without him, hopefully um, they'll be in a really good position. And, uh, you know, I, I could sit here and pick apart what's gone on recently or, or be a little bummed. But every time I, I turn on the TV or go to a game, I see – Kevin Durant, and I just go, how the heck could I be rooting for a team that has that guy on it, let alone Steph Curry? So uh, I, I, have a lot, I have a lot of faith in that guy, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and the guy coaching them. Uh, as I've told you before, and I'm, I'm seeing a disturbing trend right now, I, I want you to lay off all the mayonnaise talk because I follow you on Twitter for one thing. Stick to politics, okay? Stay out of mayonnaise. <laughs> I'm tired of that. Crap. Well, yeah but, yeah, but you know, I I do as I just said on Twitter, I do need to entertain my my buddy who is preparing the coach, and I know he That's he's true. a big fan of the of the mayonnaise overkill. So, uh, you know, he may not be tweeting a whole lot, but he, he's he's definitely getting a few laughs out of it. Best to uh, you and and the whole Silver Brood down there, Mike. And great to to ca- talk to you again. Thanks for all the time. Uh, maybe I'll see you in August. I hear there's a big old stadium show up there or a couple of them i'm gonna try to get to well if you're coming up let me know and you definitely will see me can't wait thanks boss mike silver from the nfl network he was heating up there the beacon plumbing hotline as only he can and we thank mike uh, for the time as always from the nfl network i think he's at mike silver on twitter if you want to be entertained uh follow him on twitter and and prepare if you lash out at him to be blocked uh during one of his legendary block Parties. We will continue. Curtis Crabtree at 11 o'clock this morning. Lunch with listeners at noon. How you feeling about the M's? Bullish, bearish, or hold the stock? You can vote at Gasman206, and we'll talk about it today during Lunch with Listeners. If
Welcome back to Puck and the Gas Man on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage. Sports Radio 950, KJR. All right, thanks again to Michael Silver for joining us. We are, uh, and I need to say this more often because I don't need to be the one that blows this deal. We're in the Carter Volkswagen studio, and while sitting here talking to Mike Silver on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline and remembering that I have not turned on the Heritage Distilling text line yet because I don't pay as much attention to it as I should, I happened to glance out of the corner of my eye and I saw a report, breaking news on ESPN, that Colin Kaepernick was going to come talk to the Seahawks and that the visit has been postponed. So I'm trying to, I'm in fact-gathering mode right now, and I walked down to the sports pit, and uh, two-thirds of the award-winning morning show were having a, a show meeting, and that would be, of course, uh, uh, Chuck Powell, who I always want to call Chuck Taylor. I don't know why. Uh, and uh, and Slickhawk. And, and Slick is here right now because you guys, you actually were kind of piecing some stuff together, and this is kind of an interesting story about Kaepernick that has come out in the last 30 minutes. Well, Chuck is so comfortable, you want to wear him like a shoe. That's true. That's there you go. That. Bam, bam. But uh, so it all started with Adam Schefter, who reported that Kaepernick was scheduled to come in for a visit with the Seahawks. And then that was postponed uh, after they asked him if he would stop kneeling. And he declined to uh, at least confirm that he's going to stop kneeling in the 2018 season. That was the initial report. First report. Kaepernick's coming in. The Hawks say, are you going to stop kneeling? Kaepernick wouldn't confirm, wouldn't. And so the Hawks, no, forget it then. We're not talking. That's the original breaking news that I saw. Right, and since then there's been an additional report from from the NFL Network, yes, right? Rap sheet, who of course you can find uh, during the NFL season on with Ian Furness. Ian Rapoport says the Seahawks did postpone a tentatively scheduled workout with Kaepernick, but it was not because he said he declined to stop kneeling. The team asked for his plan moving forward on how to handle everything, and there was not a firm plan. So it sounds like maybe he was a little wishy washy on what he might do, mm-hmm. and so then they. Held off. It is important to note that the the reports are they haven't canceled the meeting. It might still take place, so they might still bring in Kaepernick. All sides appearing to be pretty reasonable here. On the one hand, you should say, well, Kaepernick should have an idea what he's going to do, but maybe no one had really point blanked him on that yet. Mm-hmm. The Hawks, if they're going to kick the tires on this guy, we've got to acknowledge it would be a controversial move. I think they're doing the right thing by saying, okay, well, what what's next? Yeah, because I I think the Hawks have a great example. And and there's a few of the guys, but we were talking about him just a minute ago. You know, you can point to Doug Baldwin, who has been an outspoken guy and has been willing to say what's on his mind about various social things, but has also taken time on his days off to go down to Olympia to meet. Well, I think he met. Did he meet with the Washington State Patrol? Is that who he met with? Well, he, he met with I think state legislature, and he's he's trying to get a bill passed. I thought he met know. with cops too. But anyway, yeah. the point being, no, he yeah. went and met with people about hey, there are some problems. Can we? Can we come to a better clarity on everything if everybody comes to the table with the idea of instead of screaming at each other? Yeah. So so the Hawks could certainly point to that and say, Colin, look, if you want to continue some form of protest as our backup quarterback, we need to know what that's going to be and what's the long-term plan here. I think that's actually pretty smart on their part if that, if that story's true. No, absolutely. They want to know what they're getting themselves into, which, which is fine. It's just the thing with Kaepernick. Uh, everybody wants, not everybody, a lot of people want to say it's just, you know, it's a football thing, it's a football thing, and you just look at the numbers and look at the guys who are signing contracts to be backup quarterbacks around the league. You, I, I just won't believe that thirty-two with 32 teams, it's all just a football thing. And so it is good that Colin Kaepernick, there's teams reaching out to him, and I'm, I'm glad that it's our team, and we'll just kind of see what happens. Uh, hopefully the meeting does take place, and we'll see where they go from there. Either way, though, we're up to date that the meeting was 
at least postponed for the time being because the Hawks want some kind of clarity on, which I think again is a uh, is a smart move. And you'll be over for the Bristol race on Sunday. You coming to visit Renee and I and, you know, and watch the big roundy rounds? Sunday, I've got. Uh, yeah, I got. You know do what, my, Jerry? My hair. You know what Jerry Brewer said to me when I invited him to watch NASCAR once? I have a good idea. He laughs and he goes, "Trust the stereotype on that one, bro." <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't ask you what kind of bourbon you'll be serving. If I had dangled out the bourbon thing, uh, indeed, uh, he would have come over. Thanks, Slick. I appreciate it. Uh, Curtis Crabtree is going to join us uh, in just a few minutes as we continue with Puck and Gas, with Puck taking a a well-earned vacation 10 days into our new little confab. Uh, Neil's got the update for you momentarily.